you would keep your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 12. That's where we're going to be spending most of our time uh, this morning together. It's a blessing to be together and a blessing to be in the Word together. Today, um, this is our last uh, lesson, uh, a few lessons that we've been doing on the church. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the nature of the church. The church is not a building. It's not a building. Um, it's not an organization. The church is a body. Uh, it's made up of many members, which Christ is head, over which Christ is head. Um, the church is not an organization. It's more an organism made up of many, many different parts. Uh, it, we've talked about how the church is a family, that the church is really a family of which God is our father. And we are all brethren. Um, we also talked about the purpose of the church. That really, as a church, everything that we do is meant to build up the body of Christ. And we talked about the different functions that we see in Scripture. Uh, the different things we see in, in Scripture churches doing together. Uh, brothers and sisters doing together. And how that helps to build up the body. Tonight or today, though, I want to finish just by talking a little bit about the roles in the body. Or... I'm going to use this word gifts in the body, roles and gifts, interchangeably today. Um, we've been studying in the book of Ephesians. That's how this uh, conversation began. Uh, the seven ones, and the first of the seven ones is one body. We are united as, as one body. You remember also in the book of Ephesians, it talks a lot about leadership roles, how Jesus gave leadership roles, pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, and apostles to the church. That's not what I'm going to focus on today since we've already spent one class period uh, discussing that. Today what I'd like to look at is how, uh, how the body um, is built up through diverse roles. And I want, to, I, want, I want to talk about why it is that we need diversity in the body. Why is it that we need uh, people to have different functions and different roles. I want to talk a little bit about what are some of those diverse roles that we see in Scripture. And, and then um, we'll finish by talking about how do we grow in our gifts. How do we grow in our gifts and, or in our roles to build up the body of Christ so that we can do our part um, to build up Christ's body. So first, let's talk a little bit about the need for diversity in the body. Did you notice in Romans chapter 12 here and in verse 4 that he says, Just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. First thing I want us to notice is that according to Paul, God has created the body, so composed the body, that there would be different members that actually have different functions. That is to say that no one member is meant to do it all. Uh, God has made the body in such a way that we depend on each other. He's made the body in such a way that we cannot accomplish the work of God all on our own. The body is built up when every member uh, is functioning properly and fulfilling their role. Notice too though, it's important to see too that different members not only have different functions, but different members also have different weaknesses. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time today um, trying to prove that to you, but if you look at Romans 14, if you go a little couple chapters over in Romans 14, Paul begins to talk about some people who were weak and in the context in Romans 14, those people who were weak in faith happened to be Jews. They were, Jew they were Jews, and they were weak in the manner that they were still thinking that they needed to keep certain food laws 
in order to please God. That they needed to keep certain holidays in order to please God. And they had a hard time accepting brethren who didn't keep those food laws and who didn't uh, keep those same holidays. Interestingly, though, if you read Paul's letter to Corinth, the first, in 1 Corinthians in chapter 8, it's interesting that there he also describes people who are weak in faith. But in that particular context, it's actually not the Jews who are weak in faith. It's Gentile Christians who were thinking that if they ate food sacrificed to idols, they were thinking that they were actually worshiping idols. And in that case, he describes Gentiles as weak in faith. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, one thing I think is important to see here is that actually every member has strengths and weaknesses. And that's also true about Christians in different cultures. Like every culture has strengths and weaknesses. Because every, every group of people, every culture, every ethnicity is made in the image of God, there are always going to be strengths in that culture. There will be some ways in which you see the gospel more clearly because of your background or because of, uh, because of the way you grew up. It's also true, though, that, that, that there are weaknesses in every culture because every, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are all, there's also corruption in every culture, in every background, in every group. And so because of that, um, all of us are going to come to Christ weak in certain areas. Now notice why that's important. The reason that's important is because that's why we need each other. We all have certain strengths and certain weaknesses. But the way the body gets built up is actually by you helping me with my weaknesses and I sharing my strengths with you. Uh, it's a mutual working together that actually builds up the body. And I just want you to think for a second. You know, some of you know me, some of you don't know me well. But uh, what if every member in this body was just like me? What if every member of the Prospect Park Church was just like me? Would we be strong in some areas? I hope so. I think so. In certain areas, we'd be strong. Would we also, though, be weak in some areas? And the answer to that is also yes. I have some strengths. I have also some weaknesses. The truth is that each of us has strengths and weaknesses. That's why God has composed us as a body. And that's why we need each other. So, what's the lesson here for us? Well, Romans 12 in verse, uh, in verse 3, he actually says... Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but think so as to have sound judgment. I want you to think about this, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. I want you to think about this. There's, the lesson here is, for some of us, that we ought not to think too highly of ourselves. You know, sometimes we can think, well, I, I Look at how, how many gifts I have. I don't really need the church. I can get along without the church. I can make it. I can make it without my brethren. And sometimes it's actually a temptation, I think, for us as Christians to think that we can serve God all on our own, especially in America. You know, if, in fact, they've done surveys that have shown that, like, I mean, I think it's like 85% of Christians, Muslims, and Jews think that they can be a good Christian, a good Jew, a good Muslim without ever going to church, without ever going to synagogue, without ever going uh, and being with God's people. The Bible says otherwise. The Bible says that if we're going to be what Christ intends for us to be, we need each other. And we ought not to think so highly of ourselves that we are more important in the body than other people. Now, oftentimes, those roles that seem more important, you might think somebody getting up here and preaching, that's what's really important in the body. But actually, that's not true. 
Oftentimes, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that oftentimes the, the roles that are less visible actually have more importance than, than those that are more visible. God has so composed the body in that way so that the body would see, the, every member would see the need to depend on each other. Now, there's another side of this, though, too. I think sometimes we think not only too highly of ourselves, but we can think too lowly of ourselves. We might think, well, I just don't really have anything to offer. I don't really have any gifts to be able to, to, to I, don't really have any, I, don't, I don't really have any roles that I can fulfill or be helpful in. But I just want to say to all of us that that's actually not true. And the way I know that's not true is because I know many of you here today, most of you. And I know that you guys do many things, many of the gifts that are described here, you do these things for yourself. And if you do them for yourself, then that would mean that if you wanted to, you could also do them for other people. And most of you already are. I want you to think about this, though. Sometimes we might think, well, it's almost like a false sense of humility by thinking too lowly of ourselves. Well, I'm just not really, I'm not really good enough, I'm not really talented enough, I'm not really gifted enough to serve or work in these ways. But actually, that is another form of pride. Because it's another way in which we're thinking too much about ourselves and not about other people and how we can be a blessing and how we can serve other people. You might say, well, somebody's already doing what I, the only things I can do, some people are already doing. Well, the truth is that God has given us ten fingers, right? If you lose one, can you still do a lot of things? Yeah. But are you better with ten fingers than with none? Yeah. Actually, God has composed the body in a way that the more members there are, the more the body is able to grow. And so there's a need for diversity in the body. And I'm not just thinking about that with like race or ethnicity. I'm thinking about that in terms of giftedness, in terms of role. There's a need for people to fill, uh, fill different roles in the church. And growth in the body comes when diverse members are, with different functions work together and every member does a share. I won't go back to that text, but you guys remember Ephesians 4. We, we spent a lot of time on that text talking about how the church is actually built up when, by what every joint supplies, by each part doing its share. Ephesians 4 and verse 16 stresses. Let's talk a little bit about what are these different roles and gifts in the body that Paul talks about. Notice again in verse 5, Romans 12 and verse 5, he says we're one body in Christ and we're individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, if teaching, if he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts or he who encourages in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice here, different roles being described, different gifts being described that God has given us. And I want us to think for a second about how do you receive a gift? How do you receive a gift? The, the truth is that you can actually receive gifts in different ways, right? Some people are, are born with certain gifts, are born with certain talents. Uh, we think about that a lot with sports, right? Certain people are more gifted athletically than others. Not everybody is gifted the same way in that way. In the same way, God has given grace to each of us, I think, even at birth. You see some people that are more naturally um, artistic than other people. 
You see, other people that are more naturally able to crunch numbers than other people. Uh, some people are naturally deep thinkers, and other people are naturally more able to serve or minister or, to, or have more energy. Um, God has gifted us even through birth, but he's also gifted us through experience. And I want you to think about this. Um, 2 Corinthians 1 talks about how God can use even our experiences to actually be a blessing to other people, to be able to serve other people. Um, in fact, I'm able to stand here and teach today and preach, not because I was born a great preacher or a great teacher, but because I sat at the feet of great teachers who taught me and trained me and taught me how to effectively share the Word of God. Um, you, you might think about with giving. You know, some people are born into wealth, but for many people, it's not something they're born into. It's something that comes through experience. It's something that comes through they've been, they've, they've worked to gain resources, and those gifts given from God through their experiences are meant to be used to share with others who are in need. Uh, many gifts in that way, they come through experience. The more, the more you've experienced and the more you've gone through, the more you're able to give. There's also gifts, though, and I just want to briefly say this. There's also gifts in the New Testament that were given through the lay, laying on of the apostles' hands. Um, and and in, the, in the New Testament, we see gifts that were miraculously given from the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and normally, the typical way that happened was through the apostles laying their hands on people and giving them supernatural gifts. Like the ability to tell the future. Or the ability to speak in a language they've never learned before or never spoken. Or the, or the ability to interpret a language they'd never spoken before. Or the ability to have perfect knowledge. You might think about back then they didn't have a Bible like this. Uh, everybody didn't have their own personal copy of, of the scriptures. The New Testament hadn't even been written yet. Uh, at least it hadn't been passed around at the time Paul was writing this letter to the, to the Christians in Rome. And yet there was a supernatural gift that was given to many of the, many of the members of the body to be able to know the truth and to be able to share that truth with others. And I, I would argue, we're not going to go into this in detail, but I would argue that once the apostles die, you start to see those, those gifts also, those supernatural gifts, start to disappear. 1 Corinthians 13 would be one text that I think seems to indicate that. But look again at the list, and I want you to notice the gifts that he mentions here. Prophecy. Serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading, mercy. Are these supernatural gifts? You might say, well, yeah, but look at prophecy there. And, and I think, strictly speaking, yes, prophecy was at times a supernatural gift. But really, that's the only one on the list that I think you could say is a supernatural gift. And even the gift of prophecy, strictly speaking, a prophet was simply someone who spoke for another. And is it true, perhaps, that God has gifted certain people with the ability to speak his word boldly and courageously? Which is just another way of prophesying in the strict sense. The way the Bible uses the word prophecy in two different ways. Sometimes it's talking about foretelling future events. Other times it's talking about simply foretelling the word of God. In that sense, hasn't God even gifted some people? We might call that preaching rather than prophecy. The gift to be able to speak boldly the word of God. Certainly, we have to agree, the rest of these gifts, there's nothing supernatural about them at all. 
These are gifts that God has given naturally. And, and, and you don't need an apostle to, come, to be raised up from the dead and lay his hands on you to be able to serve or to be able to teach or to be able to encourage or to give or to lead or to show mercy. So how do we know then what our gifts are? How do I know like, what, what is my role in the body? Why don't you imagine a scenario here that after we finish this, this sermon, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. Why don't you imagine a scenario where uh, something goes bad wrong and we uh, dump, the, dump the juice all over the, uh, the floor here. Uh, Cliff trips on his way over here to distribute it and, and the juice goes flying everywhere. You know, in, in our midst, I imagine there would be different, we would all react in different ways to that. There might be uh, some people in our midst that would sit back and say, well, that's what happens, Cliff, when you're not careful. You know, if, if, you, wouldn't have, if you would have been paying attention to where you're walking, that wouldn't have happened. Sound a little bit like a preacher or a prophet. Somebody who speaks the truth, speaks the word bluntly or boldly. Um, there'd probably be some other people who jump up and, and try to help clean it up. Ministers, servants who are eager and ready to, get to, to help clean up. A servant who's working to help. There might be some teachers among us who start to analyze the situation and say, well, actually, you know, those plates that you're carrying that juice on are actually not very fitting. Maybe we could design a better plate for that or something like that. You might have teachers in the midst. Or maybe you have encouragers in the midst to say, hey, Cliff, let me help you with that. Why are you carrying all those at once? Let me, let me help you. I'll, I'll carry some of those things. I'll make your burden a little or maybe we have some people who are givers among us who say, you know what? Somebody's got to pay for that juice. Somebody's got somebody's to give some more. I'll run to the store. I'll buy it so that we can be able to uh, partake of the supper together. You might even have some leaders among us who stand up and start organizing and start saying, hey, you do this and you do this and you help them that way to try to get this situation rectified. And probably, I know this is true, many of you would be the people who show mercy, who go up and say, don't. Don't worry about that. It's no big deal. I've done that too. We've all tripped. We've all fallen. What do you think about it? What if we were all prophets, preachers, who just said, Cliff, that's what happens when you're not careful. What if everybody in the church was like that? How, unhealth how unhealthy would that church be? But let me ask you this. Is that person helpful? The prophet? The preacher? The person who's willing to say, like, hey, you know, if you're a little bit more careful here, that, that wouldn't happen again. Is that helpful? Actually, yes. How healthy is a community in which you have all of those gifts? That's a pretty healthy community. You know, actually, if you read through the book of Acts, you see those gifts all throughout the book of Acts. You see those gifts in the church being displayed. Uh, let me just show you, go through a few of these, and we'll go through them. Uh, quickly, gifts in the early church. When you read the book of Acts, you see great prophets or preachers. People like Peter, who stood up on the day of Pentecost in front of a hostile crowd and told people, hey, you killed the Christ. Right? People like Paul, um, who, was, who was willing to go into hostile cities and preach the gospel without fear. Preaching boldly about Jesus. Um, what about even, you even see Philip's daughters prophesying, prophesying uh, and, and speaking the word. Um, what about ministers in the book of Acts? Do you remember a lady named Tabitha? Tabitha in Acts chapter 9 and verse 36. 
The Bible says about Tabitha that she was somebody who was always doing good works for the poor. Acts chapter 9 and verse 36, you might know her better as Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And when she died, many people were grieving over the fact that she died, especially those who were widows. Uh, some of the greatest servants in the book of Acts are women who are serving the brethren, ministering to the needs of the brethren. You might also think about Timothy, who Paul took along with him because he was useful as a minister. In fact, when he writes in Philippians, he would say, there's nobody like Timothy who has a kindred spirit, who's genuinely concerned about your welfare. Um, what about encouragers? Well, somebody was named the son of encouragement in the book of Acts. Remember Barnabas, also known as Joseph, that was his name. Uh, but he's nicknamed Barnabas, and we know him as Barnabas because he was an encourager. He was somebody who was always thinking about others in need. When, uh, when Paul came back after his conversion to Jerusalem, and everyone in Jerusalem said, no way we're accepting him in our church, Barnabas is the one who took him aside and encouraged him and brought him before the church. Um, you might think also about uh, not just Barnabas, but you might think also uh, about um, Lydia in Acts chapter 16 and verse 15. After she was converted to Christ, she encouraged Paul, the same word being used there, encouraged Paul and pressed Paul into staying in Philippi to be able to do good for others who were there. And not only that, these are good examples not just of encouragers, but also givers. You remember the first time Barnabas gets named Barnabas? It was when there were people in the church who were in need, and Barnabas took a tract of his land and sold it and brought all the money from it and laid it at the apostles' feet. He was a giver. You know, Lydia actually is probably the person most responsible for the church because in Philippi because when she started, she act, when the church actually started, Lydia is the one who actually took Paul into her home, provided her a place provided him a place to stay and was able to actually provide for his means. She was a wealthy lady had worked, worked um, selling purple. Purple was a color that was used for royalty. She would sell that and use what she had to actually provide for the church. A place to meet, a place for them, for Paul to be able to stay and a place for them to grow together. You might think also of leaders in the book of Acts. James is a good example of this. In Acts 15, when there was a dispute over, did people have to be circumcised in order to be saved? Um, there was some discussion about it, and people brought up some evidence. And then finally, James steps up and takes the initiative to say, hey, we need to draw a conclusion about this, and based on the evidence, this is what we should decide. Um, also, Acts 17 and verse 4 even speaks about leading women who, who were converted to Christ and became important in the church in Thessalonica. So even in Scripture, you see how the church is functioning with people in, with different gifts and in different roles. And if this church is going to function the way that it needs to, church, needs to function, it's only going to be when each and every one of us use the gifts that God gives us to help this church be built up. Use the unique combination of gifts that God gives us to be a blessing as we have opportunity to do so. Finally, how do we grow in the gifts? You might be saying, well, yeah, I'd like to use my gifts, but I don't, 
I don't really feel like I'm ready. I don't really feel like I'm ready to be useful. I'm not sure that I, I can do this yet. Well, actually in the text, it's implied. Um, the New American Standard Version actually explicitly states this in Romans 12. That in order for the gifts to grow, they need to be exercised. They need to be exercised. Isn't that true of everything in life? If you want to grow, you have to exercise. If you want to grow your muscles, you can tell that I don't do that very often. You have to, you have to exercise, right? That's how it works. And the more you exercise, the more you grow. Did you know that spiritual gifts are the same way? That actually the way that you grow your gifts is by using them. That is to say, I wish some of you could have been, you actually went to this camp, but I wish some of you could have been at the camp that I went to in Alabama when I gave my first talk. Some of you would appreciate my preaching more now, having heard me when I first began. It wasn't pretty. It was rough. It was ugly. And nobody wanted to hear it. People were falling out of their chairs asleep, you know? Think about this. The way that we become more and more useful is by exercising our gifts. And that's true of any gift. If you want to become a better minister, start serving them. If you want to become a better encourager, start working to encourage and to comfort and to strengthen. If you want to become a better giver, start giving. If you want to become a better leader, start taking initiative. The way that we grow in our gifts is through exercise. Um, that's true on the job. That's true in sports. We know that's true in sports. You've got to practice in order to get better. But that certainly is true also in the church. Uh, let me suggest this, though, too. This is important to think about. It's not just exercise. Just like with your body, if you just keep exercising, but you never feed your body or nourish your body, eventually, yeah, exercise is going to exhaust you rather than grow you. If you want to grow your gifts, you also have to provide your body, provide your gifts with nourishment. How do we nourish our spiritual gifts? Well, the Bible says over and over again that the way we find nourishment is from the Word of God. As we get together and we spend time in the Word of God, we build one another up, we develop roots in the Word of God. We nourish our bodies so that we can use our gifts for the Lord. Exercise without nourishment will exhaust you, but exercise with nourishment will grow your gifts and make you more effective. Let me just say one other thing about this. Sometimes we spend so much time like, trying to think about like, finding what is my gift or what is my role how can I use my gifts, or how can, I, how can I fulfill my role? Sometimes we think so much more, so much about the gifts of the Spirit that we forget that the Bible places more emphasis on the fruit of the Spirit. And let me just say this. You know, the truth is that even if you're lacking in your gifts, God will grow you if you're producing the fruit of the Spirit. Even if you're lacking in the gifts of the Spirit, God will grow your gifts as you produce more of the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, people that are not very gifted preachers, some of the people that I respect the most as preachers, it's not because they're gifted as much as it is because of the fruit that I see being produced in their lives. You probably have seen that too. Like, the people that you really expect the most... You know, gifts can only get you so far. Somebody may be able to impress you for a while with their gifts, but eventually you'll come to see their character. And I want to tell you this. As a church, what's more important than us thinking about our gifts is actually thinking about the fruit that we produce. 
Because if we're producing good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, then we'll grow the way God intends for us. But if we're just growing in our gifts and we're not growing in our fruit, you know what will happen? Eventually, the whole thing will come crashing down. God is more concerned with our character than with our gifts. And if we're producing good fruit for God, then we'll grow in our giftedness. You know, it's possible to have extraordinary gifts. It's possible to have extraordinary gifts, and yet, at least in God's eyes, be unfruitful. It's possible even to have extraordinary gifts, and in God's eyes, to be lost. Do you remember Matthew 7? Jesus says, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. And some of the people are saying, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we cast out demons in your name? Supernatural gifts of God. And Jesus says, I never knew you. It's possible to have extraordinary gifts and even be lost. Don't confuse the gifts of the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. You can be useful. You can be useful even if you're not truly fruitful. That is to say, God can use people with bad hearts, bad character, to accomplish his purpose. So just because good things are happening doesn't necessarily mean that my character is right. And that's why it's so important that I need to be giving even more attention to my character than to my gifts. Let's end with this thought. In order for the church here, Prosper Park, in order for this church to grow and become everything that God wants us to become, we're going to have to get to the point where every member is contributing. I want to tell you, that's one of the things I thank God for. Um, I did not expect to come in with a group of people so committed to working and ministering and helping this church to grow. And I'm really thankful uh, that God has blessed us with people who are not just here to, uh, to, to grow themselves, but actually here to serve others. That's a beautiful spirit. And we're going to have to create a culture where that's the way it works here. Where it's not about one or two people or a few people doing most of the work, but it's really about every one of us doing our part to build up the body. We're going to have to work together because every member is important in the kingdom of God. Every member and every gift is needed. Why do we need prophets? Well, there's people who need to hear the gospel. And they need to hear the word of God spoken truthfully and in love. Why do we need teachers? Where those, there's a lot of people that are ignorant and don't know the way of God. And don't know more accurately how they ought to be uh, living. And we need Priscilla's and Aquila to literally take people aside and teach them more accurately the way of God. Why do we need ministers? Well, there's people who need help. There's people who have financial needs. There's people, so we need givers. There's people who are hurting, isolated, and discouraged. So we need encouragers. There's people who lack direction. So we need leaders. And there's people who sin. So we're going to need a whole church to be merciful, to be willing to forgive, and to help each other. We're about to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And I just want you to think about this. Jesus Christ came here in order to give gifts to men. He, he came here, he lived, he died, and he was raised so that he would be able to give gifts to his people. And he's given gifts to each one of us. The question is not, do I have gifts or do I have a role in the body? The question is not, what are my gifts or what is my role in the body? Really, the question is, will I use the gifts? 
will I use the roles that God has given me to build up the body of Christ? And if this church is going to become all that God wants us to become, it will only happen through that. Let us pray.